0: And welcome to The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and there are a myriad of events that are going to be happening both this week and next week. First off, this Friday at 8 p.m., the Perky Nerd in Burbank, California, is hosting a Wonder Woman gallery show, so make sure to check that out. And if you're a member of Asifa Hollywood, there are a number of screenings that are going to be going on soon, including Cars 3, BoJack Horseman, and F is for Family. So I'll have links in the show notes for the Perky Nerd and for Asifa Hollywood if you're interested in joining and becoming a member and checking out all of the screenings that they have going on. And I'm very pleased today to be presenting part two of my interview with Cassie Soliday. In this interview, we talk more about what it's like to be a script coordinator, as well as several of her personal projects. Also, around the 18-minute mark, the cleaning crew came in and needed to start vacuuming, so there's a change in the conversational topics at about minute 1940, so just wanted to give you guys a heads up. So without further ado, I present episode 45, Interview with Cassie Saladay part 2
1: And for a while I thought I wanted to be like a producer, but it's interesting cuz there's a few different types of producers. You can't really plan your way to it cuz it's organic. And in a way cuz there's creative producers who get to make creative decisions, and then there's producers like line producers who are just about the daily running, right, of the show and how much it's costing. That's the producing I realize I don't want to do. And ultimately that happened because in these studios there's these offices where the producers sit and the directors and there's a lot of closed door conversations and they think that you can't hear them but sometimes you can. (laughs) A lot of the times you can, especially when they're heated. And I heard my producer on various shows multiple times have these really difficult conversations with overseas studios being like, you can't have more time. We need to be in post right now. You need to deliver these revisions. And it's amazing how different your friendly producer is (laughs) After those conversations, it's just so interesting. I look at a lot of emotional states of the people I'm around, like that stuff really interests me. I'm a severe empath (laughs) and I feel like I'm a little bit of a sponge where I intake people's emotional places, which is not completely healthy. So I've had to look at myself and be like, is this my emotion or am I sad because my best friend is like miserable right now? But ultimately that was what decided that I did not want to be a producer was having to... Not that they were yelling, but you have to be hard. You're friendly, but you have a schedule to keep. I mean, especially when you work for like big companies, it's like, oh, they have plenty of money. Just throw more money no, at it. No, they it's don't like, actually. They really don't.
0: Like it's it's amazing once you get in it, finding out the actual reason for things, and realizing it's not necessarily. Oh they don't understand or blah 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 because you know when you're younger in high school or college or whatever it's like they don't understand they don't know what real art is it's like this is a business mm-hmm. I remember uh, who's it Jason Mars in a podcast I listened to it's like he goes it's called showbiz not show friends." there's a reason <laughs> it is a business like what you said people have to get paid another thing you said which I loved about the woman from women in animation is that Creative people, as much as we don't want to admit it, we need a schedule because all of us know people, ourselves included, where our personal projects are not done because we don't have a schedule, because mm-hmm. we don't have someone telling us this has to get done other than ourselves, so we don't do it. You can't do that at the studio level. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't get done, there is no show.
1: Yeah, and something else you said in there, we're like... At the studio level, you have to have a guaranteed output. You know, you have to already be a certain level to be able to keep up and to make the quality. That's so true, you it know. It is
0: true. And you see it and you realize, oh, that's why I didn't get said this job or this job yet. You look and you're like, this is the level you have to perform at. Are you at that level? The answer is no, then keep working at it till you get to that level because it's hard yeah you know you're having to churn out x number of designs or boards or scripts
1: every single day and thinking back before like I moved out here and got into the industry and everything and saw how it really worked I feel like what I thought the industry was being an artist. In the industry, I thought, oh, you sit there and you draw with pencil on actual paper and you just kind of love on each line and you draw your shapes and your smiles and your eyes and you put the soul in those eyes and you make it pop with sh- cool shading. And I thought that, oh, you just, you love on this stuff the way like Frank and Ollie would used to talk about their drawings and how they. Lavish each line in those little documentary videos. It's not like it's that. Not like that at all. You have to pound it out. Yeah, and I you wonder know? too.
0: You see those videos? It's like I think the nostalgia wave kind of hits at a certain point. It's like, yeah, you're saying that now. What were you saying then, though? <laughs> That's and what not to, I want to And not to disrespect them because they were both amazing <laughs> Oh, for people, sure. But you kind of have to, you know, after actually being in it, it's like is it really all that great every day all the time really? yeah mm, that's suspect
1: i want to hear glenn keen say something about schedule yeah i'm sure he's got lots of stories yeah.
0: but it's like that's what makes you better because you have to do it mm-hmm. you don't have a choice it has to get done mm-hmm. so you do it and then you go well it's done does it look great eh, I'll try again for the next episode. That's why I love television, actually. Because you don't have time to noodle anything. Yeah. You got this much time. All right, it's done. Yeah. Do better next time.
1: And you get, like, a formula in a way. And, like, I know people are like, oh, formula, let's stray away from formula. But it helps you create faster. It's giving you a structure. And, like, there's room to play outside of it if you can do it quickly, you know. But you
0: also have to know what the structure is. You're not... Going to be able to have a great design or a great story or a great character if you don't even know what that even means. What does that even mean? What are you even basing that on? It didn't just come out of the air. There are certain things that work, mm-hmm. and they work for a reason. So you need to figure out what that reason is mm-hmm. and why people keep doing that, and then go, okay, is there a better way to do that? But don't just throw it out completely. And just say, I'm just going to do this random thing. We don't understand this now. Yeah, what is this?
1: There's not a lot of room for experimentation at all. There
0: is. You just have to you have to really know what you're doing.
1: Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think even yes, you need to find your process in that, but you also need to find your process. Mm-hmm. What are other people's and what works for you? When I'm drawing, I draw twice as better when I'm listening to music. I can put it all down if I'm listening to how to train your dragon soundtrack. That's like my writing. I don't know it just like opens a floodgate and I'm like ta, 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 I don't know what it is and I've tried other soundtracks but it's that one that gets me like writing you. if I don't feel like writing I listen to that and I'm in mm-hmm. it and it's talking about structure Second City has a variety of structures when you listen to stand-up there's actually I like my women like I like my coffee you know stuff like that there's a structure and you can grow off that mm-hmm. and I think it's so cool that no matter what craft you're in, there's those certain structures that if you learn them, then your voice is found breaking off of them. Mm-hmm.
0: That's in everything. It's in comedy. Yeah. It's in poetry. It's in novels. It's in movies. It's in song. I mean, songs. There's a reason why you have the refrain and the bridge and all mm-hmm. that. There's a structure to music. There is a structure to everything. There's a structure to people. There's a structure to animals and plants and the world. There's a reason. It makes sense. Oh, yeah. Everything has it. Stuff that doesn't have structure kind of tends to, you know, it falls apart. Or you you look at it and you go, this doesn't look quite right. Now, if you're doing that on purpose, that's one thing. But if you're doing, there's a difference between doing that on purpose to make a point and doing that because you just don't know don't think a lot artists necessarily want to hear that but i think it's true it's like you know it's like no we just want to be free it's like yeah that's what personal projects are for that's what personal projects are for but your personal project's not going to get out there if you don't set aside time every day to work on it Mm -hmm. or every other day
1: yeah and i think that was something i didn't expect from production because i didn't production was not my end goal and for a long time, I was just like, okay, when, when can I get out of here? When can I get out of here? And always looking for opportunities to then bridge into something else. But when I actually looked at what I was doing, because you have to do a good job where you're at, no matter where you're at. And mm-hmm. when I was like, okay, you know what? I'm not actually being the best coordinator I can. Let me learn everything there is to know about my position and how it fits into the pipeline. And when that happened, I actually took so many lessons home to my personal projects. That's the only way I became consistent with my podcasts. And doing artwork actually being like oh wow okay if I make a deadline and I plan it backwards I can actually get things done by that date. and so you bring all those lessons home and I have to say I talked a lot about relating to people and paying attention to their communication style and bringing that into my personal life as well has been like I was always open-minded for people but actually I guess making more space for people became a bigger part of my life, I guess.
0: That makes sense. Actually making time for people. Real time. Yeah. Getting to know people and what they're about. Yeah. that can be hard as an artist because we spend so much time just wanting to create that we forget, hey, you know what? Human interaction.
1: That's Mm -hmm. really
0: important. And not just a networking level, but, you know, friend and loved one level. It matters.
1: Yeah. And I mean community is so important cuz if you're just hold up make drawing things for hours on end, it's like what are you making? What are you saying? Cuz with everything I feel with everything you make, you should be saying something. Cuz otherwise why make it? So if you're not having life experiences cuz art is life, right? They bounce off of each other. You put life into this art, you know, like this happened, you know, or like this is a piece of me. But if you're just regurgitating everything you've already done, I just feel like there's not a lot of personal development happening. You're exercising those skills, but in actually communicating something, there's nothing there to communicate anymore. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, Brad Bird said that too. If you want to animate life, you have to have a life. <laughs> so if you don't have a life,
1: like what you said, what are you going to talk about? Yeah. You don't have anything. What you were saying earlier about animation making you cry during animated movies, but not so much live action. It's communicating stuff, and you're picking it up. And you know that, let's say Up, whoever storyboarded that knew what it was like to lose someone, or like put things aside because life happens. You have to know what that feels like mm-hmm. to be able to communicate that right. through your art. It's yeah. just If it's you've it's never amazing. had a loss, it's going to be a
0: little tough to talk about loss. Mm -hmm. I mean you can relate to it on academic level Or stories you've heard from other people Or what you imagine to be like That's not a bad thing you know. Mm -hmm. It's not like if you've never experienced something You can't ever talk about it That's not true But it's going to be a lot deeper and richer for people And for yourself If you have gone through it
1: Because then you really
0: know And you can say I have been through this Here is an experience Based on something that is true Mm-hmm. And not just something I'm making up.
1: Yeah.
0: Before we get any further, I do want to ask you specifically about script coordinator. And you're a script coordinator for Puppy Dog Pals, which is an adorable show. It's so about cute. puppies. <laughs> so how
1: can you not love this? Hug puppies. Hug puppies. puppies. Oh my you know, God. No, everyone's. We're going just, on a mission, going oh on my a gosh. mission. was <laughs> oh, so cute. So I love it so much. Tell me, what? does a script coordinator do? So... As a script coordinator, basically I'm like the story editor's right hand person. He'll send me things to proofread and just kind of check for continuity before sending to executives for their notes and I schedule like all the meetings to like story breaks and I take notes and I'm a very thorough note taker but uh, it's really cool because I get to use my experience at Second City and knowing structure and just writing at a fast pace and I'm able to basically try to keep everyone on track with the schedule. So the producer producer makes the entire schedule and then like i get it and then i get to kind of fill in all like the smaller dates which is kind of exciting because in storyboard animatic coordinating someone else had already done that for me the production manager but because i don't know it's so interesting that script coordinating you still report to the production manager when you need something but i more report to the story editor now so it's really cool and One of the most interesting things that I didn't expect was that as a production coordinator, you have to multitask. You have to be doing a lot of different things all the time because there's so much to do. So as a script coordinator, I've had to do a lot of monotasking and it's been driving me crazy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've only been in this role about three months. So like proofreading, I can't listen to my podcasts because I have to be like reading and imagining what's going on and looking for errors and continuity. So I have to listen to soundtracks and stuff. So like, yeah, monotasking. And basically as a script coordinator, you're going to be, once the script leaves the writing department, you kind of track it every so often to make sure that everything's going through. I'll watch animatics for pickup audio where they put scratch in, like the way it was worded here, because you'll find that a lot of writers are very writerly and they write word puns that don't visually come out so a lot of that gets written and for different things because in storyboards sometimes they have to change things to tighten it up or to explain stuff with disney jr they'll ask for a lot of like oh can the puppy say hello here or goodbye here because we're teaching kids manners and so you'll have to put stuff in that we didn't actually record before storyboard started so I have to write all that stuff down all this information send it to the audio company and send it to our voice director so there's a lot of stuff like that and you just have to coordinate it make sure nothing falls through the cracks and keep going over numerous drafts because we have things that just little baby ideas all the way three different drafts and each writer works on one or two things per week maybe more actually I don't know it's kind of crazy I'm still getting used to it. And we haven't even gotten into the real thick of it yet either, (laughs) so... But it's a lot of communication, taking care of your team, and being on top of the schedule. I mean, and following the script through post, and, like, when you deliver doing an as-broadcast script. So watching the final animation picture and just typing down only the voice. And I don't know what it's used for, which is really bugging me, but I don't know who to ask because I've asked and they're like, I don't know why they need this. Because I feel like it probably gets translated into different languages Mm -hmm. or the use for closed captioning or something. So you have to be like exact to what's on the screen. And sometimes, uh, like I said before, from script through animatic to final picture. A lot of things can change. We had one episode that was completely reboarded, But it's really cool to be able to be in final draft all day or, or be proofreading other people's work and be like, oh, that's what good writing looks like. Or that's what a good character feels like. And it's really cool to be on this specific show because it's a lot of fun. It has a lot of emotional points. And like the characters are so... They're so them. That makes sense. The characters always in character (laughs) like you always want that but you know like if one of the writers wrote a line and was like who do you think says this you could identify the character that says that they're so good solid characters i love it so much
0: how many people are on your writing team
1: my puppy dog pals there were three in-house writers and then there were a bunch of freelancers and there was One story editor that started out the season then a different one came in. So, like, they kind of – there was only one writer that stayed from, like, the beginning of the season to the end of the season. So that was interesting, but when kind of management flipped – so did the staff a little bit. Okay. But I feel like it seems like, and this is just an observation that Disney Junior has people they're interested in. And so they kind of scoot those people to like the story editors and the shows and be like, try them out. See if there's someone we want to keep around, you know? And of course, story editors have people they've met along their journey that they want to try out. And that's kinda how they find writers. Because, you know, if you look at job boards, they're like
0: Oh, there's there's no that's not a job you
1: find. Yeah animation writers
0: I've met, that doesn't get posted. That's not how you get a job. You get the job through a writing program or knowing someone on the show or knowing someone who knows someone on the show, which is not unlike art jobs and production jobs, but with those, they're listed. Mm -hmm. So even if you don't know anyone, you still know it exists. Writing jobs, it's more of, I guess more up in the air.
1: Yeah, a lot of writers get their work through their agents. Mm. That's what it seems like because a lot of studios, they're not open submissions. You just can't send them your work or a pilot that you're hoping to get picked up. You have to know someone and the yeah. someone is usually an Unless you're agent. Unless are
0: pitching it, but then, even then you'd have to know someone to know who you're going to pitch it to.
1: Yeah, and sometimes I've heard, maybe this is when they buy the property, but I've heard that... They'll only do business with people who have agents. And actually, now that I'm thinking about the instance I'm thinking about, I think he had to get an agent after they were interested in buying it. On my deathbed, I always think about this when I'm making decisions, like, okay, I'm at the end of my life, I'm on my deathbed. Am I going to be happy that I chose what was secure and what was safe, where I could pay my rent and just be okay? Or would I have rather... Done all that, but then kind of stayed up later working towards this thing I really wanted. I would have rather struggled and sacrificed to get that life that I wanted rather than settle for someone else's idea of what life is.
0: That's good. And that's. that comes from an internal drive that a lot of people, I honestly believe, just don't have, which is the reason why all of us are in the entertainment industry. You have to have that drive to be anywhere near the entertainment industry's orbit because it is hard. And people say, oh, it's hard to get in. No, it is hard to get a job doing anything in entertainment. People told me it was hard. I had no idea how hard it was. It's hard just to get a job as a janitor Mm -hmm. or to work in a gift shop or craft services or to be an intern or a PA or to be a driver, Mm -hmm. you know, be the one running errands. It's hard just to do that, let alone actually get a job in production or in art and then get a promotion and then get a supervisory role and then pitch a show and then get a show and then run a show and then get another show. There's a reason you know all these people by names. You know all of them by names because there aren't that many of them. There's only a handful of them. That's why we know who all these people are. And that's the thing. People are like, I want to be this person. You know how long it took them to be that person? It took them their entire life to be Glenn Keane, Brenda Chapman, Brad Bird, fill in the blank. That is hard to do. Mm -hmm. And that road is littered with people that tried and gave up or burned out or failed or something unfortunate happened or died or what have mm. you. It's hard.
1: Yeah, and that's why like you shouldn't be like I want to be the next Glenn Keane. Mm-hmm. And if you don't think you're special, find out what is special about you cuz <laughs> you have to find what you like, right? And then you have to just build on those skills on that charm and that's your voice. All these artists are drawn to cartoons, to animation. They're inspired by them. They want to contribute to it for new generations forevermore, but like so is everyone else that was inspired by what you were inspired by yeah I'm and inspired
0: by things that you've never even seen
1: yeah so they're
0: pulling from stuff you've never heard of and you're just like oh shoot i need to watch more movies yeah. i need to read more books i need to go to more art museums i need to do more of everything today ah, mm. and then you're just weighed down by that <laughs> oh it it's like, so overwhelming yeah well especially now with the internet because before it was like you you had a limited you, there was still a lot to learn but now it's you literally have the ability you're now aware of everything that's ever been that's ridiculous yeah you know it's like where do you even start from there it's like nowhere to start now you just yeah. have to pick a point
1: And you see all these young artists and getting into the industry and you're like, well, why was it so easy for them? I've had to work so hard to get in. But here's the thing, like you were saying, like the internet brought a lot of new information and like people already in the industry started sharing all of their knowledge and their experience. So people younger than us, they were equipped with a lot more information when they were in junior high and high school and they did a lot of work before we started doing a lot of work, yeah. you know? Well,
0: especially here in Burbank, we had recently, we had a tour of the sixth graders from a magnet school, and I was talking to a friend on another team, and she was giving them a storyboard demo workshop, and she was asking the kids questions about storyboarding. They said, oh, we already know this. And she goes, how do y'all know this? Oh, we have a class. Sixth graders had a storyboard class. I'd never heard of storyboarding until I got into my 20s. Yeah. These kids are finding this out at 12. That's amazing. That's, that is amazing. That is so, so by cool. the time they're 18, they may have already animated a short because now there's storyboard programs and animation programs, so they may have already made all this stuff, which is cool, like you said. And I do think it's it's easier, but it's it's not. Like, on the one hand, yeah, you can – get to be really, really good, really, really young, if you have, you know, support from your family, if you're in a school that's teaching this stuff, if you have access to programs, the internet, and art supplies, but there's something to be said for the struggle, and no one likes the struggle, but you've learned things about yourself and what you're made of, and you learn that perseverance through the struggle and I feel like if you have to struggle you're probably less likely to flame out when the first hurdle hits you if you've never had any kind of hurdle or anything in your way and then something happens as inevitably does because life Mm -hmm. you might get through it okay or you might be a complete mess and fall apart and quit and it's like how sad is it if your whole life, it's been going great. 20 years old, you finally get to college and you meet all these other people and you decide, I want to quit now. It's like, don't quit. You just, you're just getting started. I wish I would have started earlier, but if I'd started earlier, I can tell you this, I wouldn't know how to write and I wouldn't have a podcast and I wouldn't have met anybody that I currently know. And that's a crazy thought to think, everyone I know I would not have met. I wouldn't have met anyone from school. I wouldn't have met you or your husband or Chris or anyone here at Nickelodeon. Who yeah. knows where I'd be? Who knows where, who I would be talking to right now, if anybody.
1: That's so true. I mean, you find out why you want the things you want, you learn mm-hmm. about yourself. That stuff's invaluable because mm-hmm. if you're in it for the long haul, this industry can be really difficult. Because animation's so expensive, there's not actually a lot of shows. There seems like there's a lot, but in comparison there's, to other industries, there's yeah. there's not. And there's more
0: than there used to be, though.
1: I remember having to wait for my parents to get home from work to be able to take me to the video store, JJ's video store, just to get, like, an animated movie to bring home and watch on VCR. And, like, keeping myself entertained, roaming around our acreage and, like, finding random crap in the woods and being like, I need to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know there's exploration that I'm glad I have but it's also really nice to think about if I had the internet where would I be right now yeah. but ultimately my life has progressed in a way I would not change anything there's some things I'm like well I I, I could have handled that situation better <laughs> but I would change
0: certain relationships like this yes better ways it could have handled stuff yeah
1: but you grow from those things (laughs) you know if I'm not failing I'm not growing so I've made plenty of opportunities for myself where I could fail and and fall flat on my face than I do all the time but like I'm not the person I am today without all those experiences you know I feel like I am meant to be where I am when I'm meant to be there because I believe in being like hey universe throw me a bone here I'm working really hard but also like it's like luck and chance, but also being ready for those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Luck meets opportunities, I think Chris Utley yeah. says.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think of a weird story. when my coworkers, when I worked at a call center, was telling me about one of my coworkers. He found $20 once in the parking lot. Like, nobody was there. He just found $20. And he's like, you could call that lucky. He goes, but here's the thing. I was at work half an hour early because I get to work early so I can figure out how to do things so I can be a better employee had I not come to work early, consistently, every day, all the time, I would have never gotten that $20. So was that luck? Or was it just you do certain things and after a while it finally works out for you? Now this is just $20, but I think that applies to life. Yeah, I think that's why people that do really well over the long run, it's because they're consistent. You just have to be consistent. You're consistent, eventually something will work eventually. Yeah. You, the thing that's hard is you don't necessarily get to decide when that is as much as you would like. Like, I would have loved to have gotten a job, like, right out of school. Mm-hmm. We all would have loved We all would have loved because <laughs> some people do. And that's the other thing. You look at other – you can't – it's really easy to do, and everyone does it, but comparing yourself to other people will be the death of you. 'Cause you look at people and they're like, They got a job right out of school. They got a job while they were about to graduate. They didn't even graduate. In the middle of school they got a job and they they got plucked out and they didn't even have to finish their degree and they're not having to pay off horrendous student loans and now they're amazing and famous and ah and you're happy for them
1: but at the same time you're like, uh. <laughs> you know, you can't yeah. do that to yourself yeah once you start kind of just focusing on what you're doing it's a lot easier (laughs) yeah it's like stay in your lane man because also what we see might not be the whole truth either Mm -hmm. the thing about consistency i mean that's what it takes to get noticed post your artwork consistently not like one thing every six months someone might see it but they can't see that you can meet your own deadlines and not that it has to be like every friday but like be alive be a part of the community I feel like taking people along with your story is helpful. I love the name of your podcast, An Animated Journey, because it's your animated journey exploring other people's animated journey. Because you want to take your audience along with you. So if you feel like your work isn't great or that it could be better, so why not just start posting the best of the work that you're making now, and then just kind of like talk about the process of learning and growing. And this is something that I'm trying to do myself because it's easy to tell people like you should do this, but ultimately you have to do it. People can give me advice, tell me how I should do something, but until I make the decision to actually do it, it's not gonna get done. Cause you have to believe in yourself and actually like show up.
0: This is true. And let's talk about those personal projects, because we've been talking about personal projects for a while, so you have many.
1: I have many. we will talk
0: about all of them. So one of the biggest ones I want to talk about, I want to talk about your comic, first off, because you have lots of different comics. So tell me about
1: the multitude of comics that you have. And so talking about consistency, up until this year, they have been very inconsistent. And that's one thing that... I love comics and I came to it very late. Like I said, I grew up in a very small town in Southern Illinois and we didn't have comic stores and I didn't have the internet. And so in learning about comics, it's amazing because, okay, animation and cartoons, you need a whole bunch of people to come together and make these things. But with comics, you can make your own. You could write it and you can draw it. And for me, I have always been in love with both. I'm a more consistent writer. But I still love drawing, and to be able to do both of them is so amazing. So I started making comics with—he was my friend at the time. He's my husband now, but we started making this one comic called Nerdy Beards. But our humor is very different, so we've struggled in collaborating for a really long time. But he writes gag-driven comics, but I always want a story arc. I want to go on adventures and, like, go through some emotional things with these characters. So we've been kind of hitting heads sometimes on that, but that one's a gag-driven three-panel comic and I've learned a lot through that but the one that I've been consistently updating this year is called Life Scientist and it's a daily comic. I started a Patreon in January which was really scary. I was like well if no one contributes I mean I'm making nothing like I did last year so (laughs) whatever I'll keep it open and I'll just keep myself honest with doing a comic every day. So the goal is 365 comics and they're just four little square panels that I try to find something in my day and just kind of put it into a memory because they're tangible memories you know and through that time working at Disneyland and not you know getting into the industry I was very depressed and depression runs in my family so I had to start looking into myself and really figuring out how to manage my feelings because there were points where I'm like what am I doing with my life this isn't what I want to do and like it was a good job and I love the people that I worked with but emotionally I wanted something more and I feel like probably a lot of people can relate to that because at the end of the week you're like, I did nothing this week. This was stupid. My life's horrible. And in doing these comics, you really have to look for moments and like the beauty in your life. And like, also, I'm trying to find the humor in life as well. Because I just want to make something. Because when I'm creating consistently, I feel better. I don't feel anxious or nervous. And I'm like, OK, I existed today because I made this 4 piano comic so life scientists in particular because it's like a journal comic it's more me managing my feelings and just having a place to kind of just put it out because it's like how i'm experiencing the world and this weekend we went to sacramento for our two-year anniversary little getaway and i made a travelogue comic and it was it's 30 pages i have to go back and like clean them up but i feel like we were talking about this because i was having such a great time and it was a lovely weekend But I feel like doing the travelogue journal experience along with it helped me like really be in the moment and really look at what was happening just a moment ago to be able to capture that. And there's something really beautiful about the moment and trying to document it because it's like you want to be in the moment but you also want to remember it, you know, and you want to remember how that feels and how to communicate your happiness through your pencil onto paper. It's just a very active way of processing Because you're not going to be the same person you were just this moment. And life goes on, whether you want it to or not. So in looking back at all my diary comics I've done, I'm like, wow, life isn't that bad. Look at all the beautiful moments I've had. Or if I'm, like, angry at Matt because we got in, like, a little fight. (laughs) Because I make terrible jokes, and so does he, and we get mad at each other. And then... I look back at all these cute things he said, or all these romantic moments we had—romantic moments I had. Uh, T.M. <laughs> that was that was pure improv right there. Oh, wow. <laughs> Did not pre-plan. That I've never said that before. <laughs> I see that, you know, and there's proof of a life well-lived. I love them so much, and it's about the experience of making them that I'm in love with. Because the final images are sometimes really crude, and I do them pencil on paper and sometimes straight with a marker and you can't take that back (laughs) so like they're not always pretty but it's also a way to kind of work on simplification as well because what I love about cartooning almost said John Schultz Charles Schultz is what I Charles, meant to say. lesser known brother, John. <laughs> He's amazing. And they're so simple. And I mean, cartoons and animation in general, like you have this complicated real character boiled down to only the essential lines and shapes. And I just think it's so amazing what you can communicate through just simple lines.
0: That is cool.
1: Nerds and Beards will get better the the more we learn how to work together. Because he writes all these funny, funny comics, but because I've obviously got a lot on my plate, I just, it's managing my time. Like, I'm still learning how to manage my time, and I just, I love everything. (laughs) I want to do it all. Yeah, me too. I have
0: lists and lists and lists. I know. And lots of i cows with lots of different colors. Yes. <laughs> if I get up at this time, I can work on the comic here, and then work on storyboards here, and then work on podcasts here, and oh yeah, there's a screenplay in there somewhere. And then also, hey, I'd like to, you know, talk to other humans once yeah, in a Yeah, that while. would be nice. That'd be lovely.
1: I think it's also really difficult when you have reoccurring series of things that you want to make doing a diary comic every single day this year that's an epic undertaking i'm actually a month behind right now i have my notes and my little doodles but i need to clean it up and draw it bigger because that's the process i chose I need to rework that, <laughs> or like podcast releasing it weekly. And when you're doing stuff reoccurring, that leaves very little time for like the one-off projects. So like I've been trying to figure out how to do that, and I've learned about this thing called batching, yeah. where you like do like a bunch at once. That's what I've been doing with the comics. I've been trying to catch up, doing five every weekend day. Because one thing I missed when I was at Disneyland. We had to draw so many pictures so quickly that I actually I have tendonitis in both my arms. And so after like drawing for so long or like typing for so long, my hands and wrists actually hurt really badly. So like I also have to manage that pain in in order to create things. And that was kinda why I kind of got really depressed (laughs) after I left that job. But I'm working on it and pain management is doable. You can still I know someone who actually had arthritis and they are still successfully working in the industry so it is possible even if it hurts a lot (laughs) it's just like learning how to manage your pain that's good to
0: hear and also speaking of other projects you are also the creator and host of the ink and paint girls podcast yeah which i love which i'm sure everyone listening (laughs) i'm sure most of the listeners are very well aware so Uh let's talk about your show (laughs) <laughs> so your show is unique among animation shows in that it's solely on women, which is great, highlighting all of women's achievements in animation and highs and lows and everything in between, and not only what it means to be a woman in the industry, but just what it means to be a professional in the industry. And you've been interviewed a wide spectrum of people different states and different companies and different jobs. So... What led you to decide, you know, I want to do an animation podcast and I want to focus specifically on women?
1: Well, I remember in college, you're learning, we've talked about them here today, where like the nine old men, Glenn Keane, and like you learn all about them. But really the only woman in animation I learned about was Mary Blair, or I think we also talked about Reda Scott a little bit, but it was mostly men-centric. So ultimately, you only learn about a couple women in college. But then you get into the industry and you see women there, but it's mostly men. And so as a way of kind of connecting with those women and asking about, like, So is it difficult to be a woman in the industry? I kind of created the podcast to kind of like learn from them and like gather all their experience to be able to share it with others that were wondering the same thing. And honestly, one thing that I do is I try not to focus on them being a woman. If it comes up organically, we go into it. And at the end, there's a few female centric questions because interestingly enough, sometimes the advice that you would give to a young woman wanting to get into the industry is different than what you would just say to someone wanting to get into the industry. And of course it depends on the woman and what her experience has been. But ultimately I did it to kind of learn how I should be a woman in the industry. Because there are some things that women deal with that men don't. And I know that this hasn't happened to me in the industry, in the animation industry, but there have been other industries where if you're just nice, well, okay, this happens outside of industries just in life, where if you're super nice to someone, they assume that you like them, have a crush on them, or want something like sexual from them, but that's not always true. But sometimes that comes into your surroundings and, like, how do you deal with that? I want to learn from you, but I can't because you think I want you Mm -hmm. or something. And, like, and it sounds so stupid. That doesn't sound stupid. Like,
0: that makes sense. It's not a stupid thing to say at all. It's how do we make it clear that I just want to learn career things from you. I do not want to date you or sleep with you or Mm -hmm. marry you or be your girlfriend. You are a person, I am a person, let's just have a conversation. If you're a guy, you don't have to deal with that. You can be their buddy. You can go to their house. You can go out late. You can drink a beer. You can just be with the guys and it's fine. There's this dynamic that comes to play if you're a woman where it's like she's here now and everything changes. The temperature, everything changes. It just changes. And you may not want it to change, but that's just a reality of genders, you know, and... Even now, when like people consider gender to even be fluid, it still comes up. Mm-hmm. It still happens
1: for sure. And I remember during that internship when I was getting all these, trying to get all these jobs that were on Craigslist or different sites. I got some. Okay, it's L. A. There's a lot of people doing very unique projects, and they a lot of different personalities. So some of this might not been what I thought, but I did get replies going. Oh, great! Love your resume. Can you send a photo? And it's like, why do you need my photo?
0: Right.
1: You know, or they would want me to go over to their house at seven o'clock no. on Wednesday night, and then we would talk about the project. But here's the other thing: that there's legitimately people who have day jobs, and they go home and they make cool things with other people. Mm-hmm. However, it's also I,
0: red flags. Yeah,
1: because there are some things that you just don't want to get involved with. And in Chicago, because like I got a lot of freelance jobs that the same way I did out here, and. So there was a while where I was a photographer doing like studio portraiture and assisting photography, and I started looking just for work for me to do on my own to just make somewhere you know money to pay for college and books and everything. And I went to this guy's house who was starting an all-female comedy troupe, and I was like, oh, that's awesome! I would love that because a lot of this thing in, in the improv community is if you're not a strong performer you get labeled as wife, daughter, or girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like you get pinned in those roles and you kind of get driven over by men. And that's just being, you have to be more confident. And that's like across everything. But that was a huge thing that was going on, especially when I was at Second City at the time. And I think it's still out there. But anyways, so I was really excited for this all-female comedy troupe. And he's like, yeah, I would love you to come and, like, take photos and everything. I love that you're a woman because then they'll be more comfortable. And I was like, oh, yeah, great. And it didn't even occur to me until after this event that, oh, yeah, this is a guy. Why is a guy doing this? And he's getting a bunch of people that he didn't know together. And the theme of the group was, so you do comedy with pies and barely any clothing on. And by the end of it, you're completely showered in pie. And I remember showing up. With my camera. And there was this other girl. And when you're young, you're just trying to get any kind of job. Even if it's a little close to the thing you want to do, you're like, yes. I want to taste what that is like. And so she showed up and she's so beautiful and she had really beautiful long hair and she was dressed up in probably her best clothes that were the most expensive, even though she works a part-time job just trying to get acting gigs. Like this is the story I've given her in my head. (laughs) But she was very uh, ambitious too. And to see her face, I was already like, what? But to see her face when um, he kind of explained everything to us, it was pretty obvious. He just wanted photos of women covered in pie. Yeah. And I think that's when I started thinking about gender a lot more and about how different the experiences are. But that made me so sad after that. And like, I was just taking the photos and I was trying to be respectful. Cause I feel like in movies and photography and art, you can enhance where you decide to put the perspective. There was this one pose that the guy really wanted where there was just high down her cleavage. It was like a low-cut shirt, and he wanted pie down there and a close-up as a banner for the website, he was saying. And it was just, I would not be okay with that. First of all, we don't really understand your project. And it's like, I don't know, because in films, sometimes they do some gratuitous things. But 300, for example, I felt like it was a very short, like, three-second sex scene, right? Yeah. But I felt you needed that to be able to see their connection. Mm -hmm. And how important it would later become when she loses him, right? Because he genuinely loved her and not just because she was the most beautiful female in their tribe or whatever. So like I understand that sometimes it just gets the point across quickly but this felt so gratuitous and like it was so weird and I don't even know if it was real you know what I mean? Yeah. And so like I just, it's so important to be respectful of your your collaborators Mm -hmm. and but I actually stopped doing like weird photo things after that. I didn't pick up a camera for a while after that because I felt like I was used, mm-hmm. and I didn't. I never talked to the girl again. We both agreed afterwards that it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, well, that was weird, yeah. And then we laughed, and I told her I wasn't going to give him the photos, so I, I never did. So, and I know that was an animation specific. No, but it like, is, it is true. It's, like, I've had
0: weird experiences too. Fortunately mainly in other jobs where like, you know, I've had to report people for harassment. I've gone to jobs that's just like, wow, the only reason you're speaking to me in a way that's disrespectful or misogynistic or I'm not getting paid as much is because I'm a woman. If I was a guy, you most certainly wouldn't be talking to me this way. And it isn't fair. It's not fair it's not right. And it happens all the time. And so I like especially what you're doing because You're highlighting women. Because that's the other thing. Women haven't been, until very recently, championed in our industry. Women weren't even allowed in the industry. We (laughs) couldn't even have, we weren't allowed to have certain jobs. And people wonder, why aren't there more female directors? Why aren't there more female creators? Well, it was because they weren't allowed to create. Disney did not allow women to be animators. They weren't even allowed to come into the building. For mm-hmm. decades, so you do that for decades, and of course, you're not going to have that many women. You're just not. It's going to take a while. That's why it's exciting that there's so many women in art school now, because now women can go to school mm-hmm. and can go and get jobs, <laughs> and hopefully, one day, get paid the same.
1: Yeah, and I have to say that the pay difference is real because I found out that my coworker was getting paid more than me, even though we were doing the same job, and that was really difficult to take because. Basically, when they're offering you pay, they're like, oh, you'll get paid this much. You have an opportunity to be like, oh, I was expecting this bullshit a number. I don't care. Like, say a different number. Don't do what I did. I'm like, oh, that sounds great. That's more than I make now. Mm -hmm. Because they lowball you because they expect you to ask for more is what I've found. Again, I've only been on three shows. But it really sucks getting paid $50 more than a PA when your coworker gets gets $100 more Mm -hmm. or $150 more. That really sucked, and it actually I held on to that for a little too long because I was like, well, I'm getting paid less, so why do I have to work equally as hard? But I grew out that quickly. That's not a good headspace to be in, but like, it really does suck, and yeah. it really does play into your self confidence as well. Don't expect them to pay you more, but on the chance that they can offer you more, ask for something else. Be like, I'm willing to negotiate, but I was really expecting this amount, and you also have to make sure you're worth you're worth your salt. Yeah.
0: That's why I like that the Animation Guild lists this is how much people make on average. Because that's the other thing. You also (laughs) need to know, well, what should I even... What is the standard? You gotta even know what the standard is. Don't just go by, oh, they said this. No, no, the standard might be way up here. Mm -hmm. Or it might be way... You don't know. You're right, you do have to research and just ask people, what are you making? I did that a lot for freelance. For freelancing, I asked everyone I knew hey, what should I ask for? And I asked multiple people of multiple genders. What should I be asking for? And pretty much everyone said, ask for this. And I remember thinking, wow, that's high. But four people said the same number. So, okay.
1: Yeah. And I did.
0: And it turned out fine. But it's like, I wouldn't have known. I would have asked for something way lower just because I didn't know. Because yeah. like you said, better than the last job. This sounds great. Well, yeah. You can't always compare it to your last job.
1: One thing I found in illustration, mm-hmm. freelance illustrators usually get paid a little bit more because it is a freelance job, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you have to account for taxes. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And I feel like I learned from different industries and try to bring it into, like, just mm-hmm. my life because it helps me have a structure yeah. and figure out how best I work under my own. But I think that's smart to ask for a little bit more yeah. in general to take care of yourself because you got to take care of yourself. Like, you really want the job... And there's obviously also like other circumstances because if you just need a job, you have to take it. But you have to be willing to talk and ask for what you want, even if you're not given it. And you have also, to be heard.
0: <laughs> and you have to take out, I remember reading this somewhere, and I think this is good. Take your insecurity out of it. Take your, oh, but my art isn't as good as this person's art. Uh-uh. Just push that aside. Don't, don't even with that. It's not about that you are providing a service based on your expertise if they could do it they would do it they can't Mm -hmm. which is why they're asking you and they're going to pay you so you need to ask for a good number that you are happy with that it's not just about your worth, it's about your worth plus your time, plus the industry standard, plus who they are, too. If a major corporation is asking you for something, don't give some lowball number. They're a major corporation. Mm-hmm. You're asking for a certain thing. You need to pay this. You have to take all of that into account. Yeah. I know that can be hard for students. And hard for, It was hard for me, but it was like, yeah. well, all my friends are saying, though, it should be this amount based on the industry standard of this. Okay.
1: I like what you're saying, though, about, like, asking a few people. Like, yeah, ask more yeah. than one.
0: And ask ask men and women.
1: Because yeah. they might
0: give you different numbers. And that's very telling. It's like, oh. It's like, uh, okay. You
1: know? <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like things are getting better. But it's also, like, a mixture of people learning how to come into those situations, mm-hmm. you know, so that that doesn't happen to them. Yeah. Because, I mean... These shows take a lot of money to make, Mm -hmm. and if they can save some, they will, you know, and it's not personal. It's really not, but just educate yourself so that you might actually get what you're worth. Mm -hmm.
0: And that concludes part two of my interview with Cassie. Make sure to tune in next week for the exciting conclusion. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, make sure to head on over to iTunes and leave a review. All of your reviews help more people to find out about the show. And if you'd like to donate to the show, please visit www.theanimatedjourney.com and click on the PayPal button on the right-hand side. All of your donations help to keep the show up and running. And make sure to check out our affiliate sponsors, Loot Crate, audible amazon and blueberry podcast hosting whenever you click on those banner ads and make a purchase a little bit of money comes back to the show and thank you to everyone who has supported our sponsors and supported the show in some way i appreciate it very much and if you'd like to see what else is going on in the wonderful world of animation make sure to check out the animated journey on social media on facebook the address is facebook.com Slash the animated journey on Tumblr, it's the animated journey. tumblr. com, and on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at anim journey. And if you'd like to see what I've been up to lately, you can visit my website, www.sketchysoul.com, on Facebook, it's Facebook.com, Slash Sketchysoul, on Tumblr, it's sketchysoul.tumblr.com. And on Instagram and Twitter, the handle is at SketchySoul. So thanks again to everyone for listening. And as always, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody.